and we're live. Good evening. Welcome to the Warren Committee, November 1st, 2023. Um, in the absence of our secretary this evening, Tom Caldwell, would you please conduct the roll call attendance? Yes. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And uh, just because we have a, a larger presence on Zoom, I'm just going to ask that you um, uh, just say that you're here. Um, Dave Humphreys, Chair. Here. Lori Conley. Here. Jay Funling. Here. Allison Gagnon. Present. Julie Joyce. Here. Julie on Zoom. Julie's currently muted. I don't. Oh, yep. No, I'm back on. I'm here. Can you hear me? Back. Kristen Kosiel. Here. Thank you. Dream Langwa. Here. Thank you. Tim Lyons. Here. Julia Maxwell. Here. Thank you. JJ O'Connor. Here. Thank you. Stephen Rines. Here. Amanda Serio. Here. Thank you. Roncia. Here. Thank you. And Judith Steele. Here. Okay, we're going to go back. Uh, Julie Joyce, are you there on Zoom? Yep, I'm here. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> we sure can. loud and clear. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Chair, uh, the uh, entire Warren Committee is present. And rightly so. Um, tonight, we have two agenda items, the related MBTA zoning regards to multifamily as of right, and then is uh, mandatory mixed use. Uh, Jay Fundling had worked very, very hard on a presentation. He submitted to us all for the last meeting that was late into the early morning. So uh, if, if you are inclined to proceed with your presentation, Jay, yep. I, I would ask you to kindly do so. Okay, great. Thank you. I'm hopefully sharing my screen. Oh, my screen is very busy right now. Okay, uh, all right. So one of the biggest questions that is facing us and that's come up around the town is how this will affect the town's finances. There's been a lot of speculation, but very little information. So I'm hoping to help this by not only providing you with the calculations I have, but also very clearly showing my assumptions and methods. So if you disagree, if I made a mistake, you can adjust as needed. So let's start with the costs facing the town. A consultant provided a partial analysis earlier showing that their calculations how some town expenses are variable with pop population and some are not. For example, they stated that a 10% increase in population may need 10% more police officers but won't need another police chief. They provided backup for several of their calculations, allowing me to fine tune them and make them more Milton specific, as well as add employee benefits numbers which had been missing, and which will allow me to apply these to the proposed zoning map. And I just wanna point out that any changes I make to the consultant's numbers, their refinements, they're not intended as criticism. Uh, so what do we mean when we talk about fixed and variable costs? This is some examples. So like for the police, the consultant proposed that the police chief and sergeants and lieutenants, if we get a small increase in population, we won't need more of them, but we will need more patrol officers, cadets, and dispatchers. 
Although if you look on the other side with the schools, I agree with a lot of they said, you know, buildings, buildings, sure, we need more teachers, we need more books. They said that counselors and IT staff, we wouldn't need more of those if we get a bigger population. I disagree, so I changed that number. But most importantly, they did not have out-of-district expenses listed as a variable expense, which as everyone in this room knows, out-of-district expenses is code for special education, and that's a big number. That's a lot of our school budget, so I felt that had to be variable. So I made the change to what the consultant said, making that a variable expense. Uh, I won't read this to you. This is about employee benefits. Um, the benefit, you know, good thing that this was sent to all warrant committee members two days ago, so I'm gonna do a lot less reading than I expected to. Um, employee benefits, some of them cash, some of them not cash. Now, here's where we calculate the cost of, cost of the town of adding one more household. You can see I started with the numbers that we got from the consultant, I added in employee benefits, out of district costs, et cetera. I made adjustments for where, where I had disagreements with them and then uh, got to the end. And you can see my adjustment is more than a 50% increase to the school costs with all the other departments also having increases. Uh, water and sewer, I won't dwell on this, just that I did look at the impact of one more household. What would that add to our water and sewer expenses? And what will they be paying in, um, in bills? I would like to point out the financial benefit here. It's not very big per household. Also, it doesn't hit our town's budget. Where this benefit comes in, if we have a benefit here, it's to lower everyone else's water and sewer bills. Okay, so we've got the costs. Now let's apply them to the proposal in front of us. So what we have here is all the regions in town that are affected and the net units. You can see column C, we have the net units. And I even made the adjustment that we, between Monday and tonight, the error that we found uh, on the L8 Street Parkway. So, and then what did I do? I wanted to say, okay, what are we really going to see? And I just had to make a guess of an estimate. And in column A, this is my wild guess of how likely these things are to be developed. Granite Ave South, everyone seems to think this is likely to be developed in the medium term. I give that 100%. Then I said areas with a functioning business right now, Granite Ave North, extra space storage, these have businesses. The thought of closing down those businesses, tearing them down, building housing, it could happen, so I gave those a 50-50 chance. Then um, we got to Unquity House and 36 Elliott. Those we've heard are older residential places. They might be right for rezoning, but people are living in them now. I give them a 25% chance of being redeveloped. You go down the other housing that's already there and new, I gave a 0% for East Milton Square for reasons that we've heard discussed at length. I said this will have a 0% impact. For the last two that are sort of the residential areas, they did a survey earlier this year that said 14% uh, of people in town were interested in redeveloping. I put a 14% there. Now I hear you saying to me already, wait, you just made those numbers up. I don't agree with them. That, that's right, I did. And that's why I'm disclosing to you, not only on this slide, but on every slide, I'm telling you what my assumptions are. I'm telling you what my methods are. If you have different assumptions, you are free to, hopefully I'm giving you enough tools to come up with your own numbers. Um, so the big players, the, where the real numbers are, are Granite Ave and extra space storage. Everything else is small numbers. So those are what I'm really gonna focus on. Uh, and one, one big question for those is, how many three bedrooms will we have, which leads to how many kids will we be adding to the schools? 
So what I'm showing here is the consultant's assumptions for how many kids are in each school for one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom, or a townhouse. Uh, they came in as the experts. They have this databases from all the state, the whole state, and that's how they came up with these numbers. Uh, so I'm gonna trust but verify. So I, I checked them against reasonableness for townhouses, a little bit less than half a kid per townhouse. That's about the average for all the households in Milton. We have about twice as many households as students. So okay, I'm not gonna object to that. And for the number of kids per two bedroom, let's say, 0 0.05, that sounds really small to me. But if we look at these four buildings we have down here that I've listed here, we've got about 0 0.057 kids per apartment there. So I'm not saying I reproduced their numbers, they're the experts, but I'm saying that gave me confidence that I can't throw it out as being unreasonable. Uh, now, where am I? Sorry, turning the page. Uh, okay. Now, so how many three-bedroom units are these apartment buildings gonna have? Because that's a big driver in the cost. I'm looking at the 740Bs that we have proposed in front of us. Now, 40B is required by law to have at least 10% three-bedrooms. And when I look at these 740Bs, five out of the seven are doing the bare minimum. They're having as few three-bedrooms as they can. I've gotta assume they presumably want to build even less. Uh, next slide, we've got several buildings either in existence or proposed in uh, four of them in Milton, one of them very close to Milton and Quincy, all of them have no three bedrooms. This tells me, I, I'm not a real estate developer, don't know anything about the market, but this makes me think the market doesn't want to develop three bedrooms in Milton. Uh, so now I'm gonna spare you my Groucho Marx impression. How much will we make in taxes? So in this, people were asking why I was looking at a comparison in um, Quincy because it's very close to Milton, it's right on the highway, just like the Granite Ave units might be. So all I'm using it for is what's the value per unit, and then taking Milton's tax rate. So I'm looking at three different examples, say what kind of taxes might we collect from these three large apartment buildings? 3,300 per unit, 4,000 per unit, 8,700 per unit. Again, I'm going over this pretty quickly. I know the members have had a couple days to look at this and members of the public will it's on the website to look at it. So here I'm saying, what revenue are we gonna be getting from these apartment complexes? Uh, and then there's another issue. We're not building these apartments on empty voids. Two of the three of these are being built on places with businesses that are paying taxes, a lot of taxes, to the town right now. If we're gonna take that building, someone's gonna take that building, tear it down, build an apartment building, we not only have to look at what are the costs and benefits to the town of that apartment building, but as far as I know, we also should look at what is the cost of the town that we don't have that business there anymore paying taxes. So I've got the taxes for two Granite Ave and extra space. The other Granite Ave parcel, the larger Granite Ave parcel, right now that's entirely either state-owned or nonprofit-owned, so we're not getting any taxes. Uh, now this slide is just to set up what we're gonna see in the next couple slides, because the next couple slides are very busy. They have a lot of numbers. So what we're gonna see are these three developments for each one, we're gonna look at the cost and benefit of the town under several different scenarios. We're gonna say, how many three bedrooms are they gonna have? They're gonna have 10%, 5%, or 0%. And we're also gonna say, how much taxes are we getting from them per unit? Is it gonna be high, like the condos at Central Ave? Is it gonna be medium, like the apartments at 50 Elliott? Or is it gonna be lower, like the Quincy apartments? So let's jump into this. Uh, so, two Granite Ave, if we have 
A medium tax revenue and 10% three bedrooms, that is a cost to the, to the town. If we have low tax revenue and 10% or 5% three bedrooms, that is a cost to the town. Otherwise, it's a benefit to the town. And one thing you might look at, you can see that the lost revenue, they're currently paying 198,000 in taxes, and that's part of the calculation. If that wasn't there, if you were only looking at what's coming for this apartment building, the taxes versus the costs, it would come out in the good direction every time. But we can't look at that. We also have to consider we're not collecting taxes on the business anymore. Uh, moving on, South Granite Ave. For that reason, this is a much better financial position because we're not losing any revenue from anything that's currently there. We're just looking at the revenue we're bringing in and you know, we've got the kids, number of kids in the school listed and the cost going out. And that's coming out to be a benefit every, in every situation. And then uh, extra space storage is not nearly as good a situation because they're paying a lot in taxes right now. So in several of the scenarios, we're not bringing enough in and benefit to make up for it. Now, if we put all three of these together, if all three of them get built and all three of them have 10% three bedrooms and all three, three of them have low tax revenue, it's gonna come out to be a net cost for the town. In any other situation where you have the lower three bedroom or the higher taxes, it's going to be a net benefit to the situation to the town. Uh, quickly talking about the other apartments in town that I looked at, Mattapan Station. I looked at the numbers. What if they build a new updated version of Unquity House, which adds more units? I'm assuming that if they tear down an age-restricted unit like Unquity House, they'd build another age-restricted unit. Maybe you disagree with that assumption. Uh, wouldn't make a whole lot of difference, but that's the numbers I ran. 36 Elliott, I'm assuming what if they tore that down, built a larger unit, adding 24 units, putting about two kids in the schools. Uh, so we'll see the numbers on that in a minute. And for Blue Hill and Elliott Street, again, I'm assuming 14% of the homes convert into a triplex. The numbers we got from the consultants said that we'd bring in, told us what, how much revenue we'd bring in. I do that, I subtract the cost, I subtract half a kid per townhouse. I get that it's gonna cost the town about $600 per townhouse. So putting all of these together, including the probability. So if I say something has a 50% chance of being built, then the cost benefit is 50% of if it was built. 25%, um, same thing. Put all these together, the biggest player is Granite Ave South bringing in $870,000. Smaller players are Granite Ave North, extra space storage. They go up, they go down. Uh, back down to the, um, the townhouses, they're a negative. But all that overall gives us an estimated number of 900,000. Now, I'm a nuanced guy. I'd rather talk about probabilities. I'd rather give you all the ranges. But if I have to boil it down to one number, that's the number I've got. Uh, I do have a tool that I will try to make available to anyone. You can type in what the location you're interested in from these three locations. You can type in how many units you think they're gonna be, how many three bedrooms you think they're gonna be, how much taxes you think we're gonna get from them, and it'll tell you if we get a cost or benefit from the town. Uh, the 40Bs, a member of the, well, a, a member of the um, planning board asked me, you know, can we do this calculation, this is weeks ago, can we do this calculation for the 40B projects that are coming? Because these are coming. We should know how these affect our finances. I ran the same calculation on the 40Bs, and I got a positive. The one on Canton Ave, right across from the high school, it's going to be big, it's going to have townhouses, it's going to have a lot of kids, presumably. 
that's a negative. Most of the other ones are positive, again, because they're not going to have very many three bedrooms. Um, and then some things I didn't consider in this analysis because they're just too complicated. Most of them, I think, would reduce the cost and increase the benefits, but I want to disclose those there. So I went through that quickly. Hopefully the members of the Warrant Committee got to take a look at this in the past couple of days. Um, I'm, I, I'm happy to address any questions or any discussion. Let's okay, so stop sharing my screen. Thank you. And then thank you for that, Jay. And then when you get a minute, if there's hands up, could you let me know? Yeah, I, I don't know how to stop sharing my screen. Okay. Pause, share, stop, share. Gotcha. Okay. I do not see any hands up, but. All right. Let's see. Julie Joyce. She's declined. Tim, you had indicated to me. Yep, I just have a couple of questions, but statements. So you have nothing about capital costs, the sewer, water, electrical in there, which are huge. And we were told by the select board in Milano that they believe the town is going to bear that responsibility for all these. So that's a huge negative. That's not in there. And I think the assumption of people I know, there's a lot of single parents out there that have two bedrooms that have one or two kids. Up. So I think that's erroneous. And if the select board and the zoning committee don't have all the information from their consultant, RKG, on all of this, I think this is very misleading to the town. Hmm. Because it's not all the information is there. Some of it I know you got from RKG, but it's not a complete picture. And people who just come in and look at this might assume this is a complete picture when it's not. That's it. Okay, so it sounds it, it wasn't really a question. It's more of a statement. Jay, do you want do you, do you want to respond to that? You can. Um, not. I mean, you're okay. right about the capital costs. Water and sewer, I don't have um, electrical. I, I work for EverSource. I can't. Don't want to speculate, but I don't think that would be on the town. Um, so this isn't your job. And as far as the uh, yeah, can I say one thing about the power? Yeah, yeah. I have multiple sites in the town of Milton that I've requested to go from 200 amps to 400 amps. We don't have the power available. I've been 18 plus months to get my work order. Don't have it. So if someone coming that. in going, I need a 5,000 amp service. So we're gonna have a structure that's built that can't be occupied because we're waiting on power coming in. It's just- a I don't doubt that. I just, I was looking at the money to the town. I don't think- I understand, but you also said you're making assumptions and everyone knows how bad assumptions can be. True, that's why I listed all of mine. I'm good. Judy. Judy. I'm here. Um, <laughs> that unmute button is so small, isn't it? Um, I had a question for Jay, if possible. And um, I guess the question, and I think you did indicate that the RKG numbers were preliminary analysis. Is that correct? I can't speak for them. All I can say is that I made adjustments to them to make them more Milton specific, where I saw, for example, that they weren't including the out-of-district special ed costs. I, I can't speak for them if they were preliminary or not preliminary. I'm just saying I looked at their numbers and adjusted them. Um, if I may, 
um, I'm basing that on the fact of our um, meeting on Monday that the planning board indicated, and I believe, and I will stand corrected that the um, Tim and Mr. Zulis from the select board indicated as well that we're still waiting for um, a final analysis from RKG as they were not able to provide that until the districts were drawn. So, um, although you adjusted to the RKG numbers, they weren't the final and complete numbers based on we're still waiting for them? Um, I'll, I'll tell you what I know. So I was working on the numbers that they provided for how, what are the variable costs to the different departments in town. Those are the numbers I was going on. Now, what they will, and, and this is not meant as a slide to them, but I don't know if they will give us anything. I don't know what they will give us. And I don't know if what they will give us will be accurate to Milton, you know, because as I said, I had to make adjustments to their numbers. So, you know, not knowing any of that, I felt an obligation to do my best to figure out what is the financial impact to the town, because otherwise we're just going in blind. We're all making up, here's what, here's what I feel like the financial numbers is, numbers are. So I wanted to try to put some rigor on there and do the best I could to say, here's what I see the numbers are. So I, I don't know if that answers your question or not, partly because I don't know um, what the consultant is eventually going to give us. Uh, thank you for explaining that. I think, um, I think my question is goes to this, and it seems like a comment, that until we get the final analysis from RKG, which is coming, that's what everyone's waiting for, they couldn't conduct a thorough analysis until they had the maps. And as indicated on Monday, they just got them a week ago. Or I could be wrong on that, but it was very recent. Um, so even the numbers they put out were speculative, not knowing exactly which zones we were talking about. Um, so would it be preliminary to to also add another set of numbers that aren't complete yet? I, I don't know if that makes sense. This is all speculative then until we get the final report from RKG, I guess is what I'm asking, saying. I worked with the best information I, I had. Yeah, okay, thank you, thank you, Jay. Thank you. And, and in Jay's defense, you know, there's so much. I think Meredith Hall said it best. And she says, it's all uncharted territory. We're all operating with imperfect information here. And early on in, in this process, truly. And so I think what Jay is trying to do here is just make the best sense of it, of what we have in front of us that he can, and to share it with us. In the understanding that there's a lot of there's a lot of assumption, innuendo, art. Yeah. So 
And take, take it in that take it in that spirit that he's doing the best he can with what we have to help and to do with it as you will. Mm-hmm. And I would like to say there's a there's a wide margin of error here. Sure. But if we do, you know, the, the two most important assumptions are are we really going to have very few school children in a two bedroom apartment? And are we really going to have most of the apartments be two bedroom or less? If those are both true, then these are going to be money makers. If those, even if either of those are off, then maybe they're not. But that's that's what a lot of it boils down to. Even if even if my numbers are off by fifty percent. Thank you. Okay. So Thank th- you. So this is the this is the the batting order as of right now. It's going to go Amanda, then Allison, then Julia Maxwell, then Steve Rines. So Amanda, please. Um, I just wanted to say, I wanted to first thank Jay for doing all of this. I think it's a tremendous amount of effort. Um, I'm not sure where you find the time. Um, but I, I think, you know, I was about to put my hand down, but I think it, it was just saying that, that it's, I think it's directional information in a place where there is no information right now, or there's limited. So I think just for, you know, I think that's been a big question. What's the financial impact? And is this the final say? No, but I think, you know, Jay just summarized it well, um, that he's using, you know, that if the assumptions are correct about, you know, that, that, um, that there will be two bedrooms or less, and that the big impact is around the students, um, and you know, RKG, this is what they do, and, and based on the numbers that they've used across the state, that this supports them. Um, I think that's just good information to have, even if it's only directional, and just gives people, you know, something to kind of to use as they're thinking about this. That was all. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda. Allison. Um, I I honestly think that um, great inform- to pass on this information, but this is all information that's not um, factual. So I think for us to keep going back and forth about Jay's presentation, where it's not coming from the select board or the or the planning board, is does not help in the sense of that um, we're going to be able to come to conclusions. Um, I do believe that uh, there are eleven uh, one bedroom and the Henry's right now that aren't selling. So to think that our buyer is a student or anybody from, I mean, all of my friends lived in South Boston to Dorchester to Milton to start a family and come here for the schools. Um, Not if I wanted to, if I was gonna live in a condo, I'd live in Dorchester um, because there's no walkable amenities to restaurants. This is not a walkable town. Um, so just to throw that out there, but I do think that it, um, our focus needs to be on the article and uh, moving off of the presentation and kind of critiquing it with questions and feedback. But that's just my opinion so that we can move the process along. Thank you. Thank you, Allison. Julia Maxwell. Um, thank you. And thanks, Jay, for um, putting this together. I, I think it's helpful uh, for the discussion. I had a question with the, I think it's slide 26, the overall benefit slash cost slide. Okay. Um, just for my understanding, this column of development likelihood, I understand you made these numbers. Uh, I mean, not made them, whatever. You used oh, your I made educated pieces. And that we can. I'm not we can educated. No. Nope. But um, I guess when it come when it plays into this overall calculation, help me understand that because 
the development likelihood, whatever number you throw in there, ultimately affects this last column. And that, I, I, I guess I'm not quite following that piece of this chart. Okay. Um, you're right. So I, I would say to you, if you think, oh, Granite Ave North is 100% likely to be developed, then instead of 50%, then double that number there. I mean, one thing we can take away is that, you know, if my numbers are at all close, Granite Ave South is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. They're the huge benefit. Granite Ave North and extra space storage, they might be 100 or 200,000 in the positive. They might be 100 or 200,000 in the negative. They're not as much as Granite Ave South, and they're probably less likely to be developed if, if we can read the future that way. Um, Right, I, I understand all that. I guess um, development likelihood is um, anyone anyone's guess. So, but again, whatever number you put in there, um, at the end of the day, it either gets developed or it doesn't. Is this a proxy for like what number of units would potentially get built? Since that's also a variable number. Uh, I suppose it is in the 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 two neighborhoods where we're uh, talking about building townhouses. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a 14% chance that all of LA Street will be developed. I'm saying that, according to the survey, 14% of Miltonians want to change their house. So um, I'm saying that in the near future, 14% of LA Street will be turned into triplexes and Blue Hills Parkway, although I know their zoning is different. Um, okay. All right, thank you for that. And yeah, and also I'm assuming that it's the maximum on each site. Now we've heard from the select board, we've heard from Mr. Zawinski, oh, Granite Ave South is zoned for 530, but it actually can't be more than a certain amount. I, that hurts my brain, I didn't go there. That's for Mr. Zawinski to tell us the difference between the theoretical numbers and the actual numbers. Um, so. But, okay, so sorry, that raises another question. So. This development likelihood column, does this factor into the benefit slash cost column? It does. So like when I say 50%, my benefit slash cost is 50% of if the whole thing okay. was developed. If it was 100% okay, chance. so it is kind of a proxy for uh, number of unit potential units that may get built. Could be. You could read that as Granite Ave North will absolutely 100% be developed and it'll be half as large as the maximum. That's right. That's one way to okay. do it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Steve Rines. Sorry about that. I had to come off mute. Um, thanks for thanks for all the work, Jay. Um, I, I do share some of the concerns from some previous members of, of portraying these numbers as being uh, portrayed as a warrant. Uh, Committee's uh, opinion. I mean, it's, there's a lot of numbers in there. Um, with with respect, um, I, I don't think it's our position to do that. To push those numbers out there like that. It, for me, it's it's a lot to take in. A lot of the data has not been uh, provided by the the, the uh, electives who are we're still working on it. They've got RPG uh, information still pending, and I think folks who see this. There is a risk to that. Um, I do appreciate the effort, um, but I do have concerns with it. So more of a comment slash observation. Um, and I think the the presentation should be caveated if it's not already that it's uh, member Fundling's opinion on there as well. Same as when you would have a safe harbor statement in any presentation. Thank you. 
Yeah, I, I've got that on the front slide. And yeah, I'm viewing this as a presentation to the Warrant Committee, not a presentation of the Warrant Committee. Yeah, the first slide says very clearly, this is not the view of the Warrant Committee. Thank you. Thank you. Julie Joyce. Hi, thank you. Um, I just wanted to say thank you, Jay, for putting that together because that helped me visualize a little bit better. And I'm sure that that was um, pretty labor intensive. So thank you for doing that. But the only thing that I want to say is I, I, I think we have to be really careful about discounting the number of students. I myself, and as an example, I only left Dorchester because I had a child on an IEP and Catholic schools were not able to fulfill that. So we came to Milton and um, if I owned a house in Milton and could redevelop, I when my kids were older, I would I, I would rent out or sell my main house, which would attract people with a large family, and then I would be with my husband in the smaller unit. So I think that might um, make sense for a lot of other people as well. So I just want to make sure that we're not discounting the chances of having a, you know a large influx of, of school age kids. Thanks very much. Thank you. Lori Connolly. Um, so sorry, Allison, but I have to comment. <laughs> yeah. Jay, thanks for your comments and thanks for being as brief as you were. That's, that was great, thanks. Um, I do echo the fact that it's a preliminary analysis from RKG and the planning board is still, still doesn't have the final analysis. When I heard their preliminary analysis, I had a lot of questions at that point in time. And, you know, the school budget number that they used was 42 million. I think the school budget number is 62 million. So we're starting off with their analysis with a $20 million difference. So we have, to, we're gonna spend $62 million. Where's the 20 million gonna come from? And I know it's related to state aid. However, we still have Oh, that's what I was told that oh, okay. state aid. So in any event, we're, we, our cost is 62 million, whether it comes from the state or whether it comes from all of us. So. I, I agree, I can elaborate, but in short, well, I agree. I, I guess the point is I don't take the analysis from RKG at this point in time without having further conversations about it for, you know, for anything other than some numbers because well, let me finish the other thing. The police department, 50% of their costs are fixed. Seems a little high versus, you know, I know you're not going to need another police chief and mm -hmm. you might not need another deputy police chief, but I think we are going to need a lot more infrastructure there. That doesn't even get into the fire department. Um, and the other thing that I don't think we take into account is... The fact that if we're zoning for 2461, we may not have 2461 that gets built, but we will have, I think the number that Tim was talking about was like 1700 and something. We should look at, and what I did last year was look at, I did the 2461 at the time because it was before we got into net new. And I just took the warrant and I extrapolated out one of the, um, Milton Hill House's new Milton Hill House and ran it out for the taxes. And I came up with, you know, an average based upon the 2461. I just did it all in aggregate. There was nothing I didn't try to get down into. Is this a townhouse or is this 
an apartment on a house in Elliott Street. It was just round numbers, extrapolation, basic forecasting. That's it. Um, and I came up with us losing millions. And I won't get into the specifics at this point in time because, again, the numbers have changed and I want to see what RKG has. But my numbers are 180 de degrees off of what RKG has, what you have had from their basis. And it's a lot of money. And we should know what the number is if it all gets developed. Maybe not the 2461 because we know net new is different. But we need to, we have to assume it will be built. And we're foolish if we don't look at that. That's very short-sighted as leaders of the town if they don't look at it. Um, the other, I think related to water and sewer, I think that kind of nets out to zero. And I, don't, and I don't think we're gonna see any savings for our houses at all. The other um, thing that I saw in the numbers, CPA tax, that goes into a fund for the CPA program that, has, that is not going to affect any of the general operations of the town. So I don't think that's valid either. And then the survey that was conducted, I feel like one of the forums, they said that out of 28,000 people, <laughs> there was not a lot of people that responded to it. So I don't know. I think the other issue back on Tim's point about the development on Granite Ave, because we're talking about that, that development, um, if the developer puts in sewer lines on the property, those sewer lines are going to probably be massive compared to what's on the street. And then the town will be responsible for blowing it out to wherever it has to go to get it to where it needs to be. And that, that infrastructure cost, as Tim alluded to, is not in any capital. And that's a huge expense. So our debt service will be increased probably phenomenally. <laughs> Exponentially, maybe, is um, the word. I mean, we need probably need new fire trucks and ladder truck. Will one school be enough? We might need two. We don't know about that. You could have, you could have seniors in their house sell their house, Sean said it the other night, sell their house and move into one of these apartments on Granite Ave. But my daughter happens to live in Dorchester with children in school. So I might just put them on my house in Milton and let her stay, let the grandchildren stay. And then we have additional kids in school that really, are they living here? I don't know. So. I think the way we're calculating the school children might be late as well. So I just think there's a lot of deficiencies and we haven't been able to vet any of the RKG numbers because they haven't finished their analysis. So I think it's premature for us to look at any of the financial implications because we don't have any information. And that's kind of probably, that's a lot of the problem with this analysis at all is we don't have all the information. I'm extremely concerned that they are still talking about half of the units going on Granite Ave. That neighborhood cannot sustain it. East Milton cannot sustain it. I think it should be looked at again. But thanks. Thank you. Tim. Um, thanks for all your effort and the time you put into it. Uh, I just want to say one thing about the consultants. 
They were picked by the state. We told we had to use them, so there's no independent review on anything. And RKG was the only respondent to the RFP. So you don't know how big everything is. I, I, I will say, and this addresses Lori, and so I got detailed information from them as to how they figured out the variable costs for police, fire, DPW, and schools. And as you saw, I didn't think it was enough. So I added in employee benefits for, benefits for all of those. Uh, you don't need me to talk about employee benefits. And then for schools, you know, as I said, special ed, that was a big number they were, you know, and I didn't mention it, but it's in a footnote, they weren't counting grant funded positions, but I reached out to Dr. Pavlicek, he said our grants haven't been going up in recent time. So I added all those back in. So I looked at their numbers, I didn't just accept them as right, I adjusted them to be more Milton-y. And that's why, well. You're still say, coming up with I'm a not positive gonna, number. I'm not going to be, um, I'm not gonna slight anyone, but I, no, I'm, I'm not gonna slight the consultants. But I can't see anything being a net gain. At all, I agree. Just being in the construction industry, nothing costs what you think it does. Nothing, when it comes to infrastructure, been on many jobs, they say this will work, and you turn stuff on and it blows up. And there are issues with the model. I mean, Tim has said it, they don't do assemblage, they don't look at subdivisions, and then the Elliott Street corridor issue based upon the total number of parcels in the model, in the area, yet the number that could actually be developed can't be counted appropriately. So that's another issue. So, I, you know, the model is a problem. Gives, should give us pause. The whole article is a problem because... All right, all right, all right. I, I like that he used the word Miltony. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda. Thank you. Um, I guess this is relative to, I, I'm kind of segueing off a little bit of um, this because we're getting into the weeds on Jay's numbers and then other people's numbers, which I think one of the things that, um, I think one of the things that is difficult is that the conversations around numbers are with the assumptions. It, it feels like they're, they're conversations around numbers with the assumption that everything is going to be built. And it feels like it's getting into a planning discussion as opposed to a zoning discussion. And, and, and we're looking at things as if it's a set point in time, as if today everything would happen. And we're trying to attribute numbers to them when this is zoning that could happen over a number of years. And I think it, it feels like, I don't know, it just, it's difficult to focus the conversation on a what if when there, there are no plans, there are no buildings, there's no, you know, there's literally a zoning regulation in front of us, zoning law. And so I understand people needed to look at that, but getting down the path of like sewer and electric and all of that when we don't even know if, when, or what is going to be built is, I think, it, it, it's getting into the weeds of something when there's a much bigger conversation, it feels like. Um, so it's just my two cents. So that, I, that's a good point, I mean, that Amanda raises. So we've sort of had Jay's presentation, thrashed out the numbers, 
Um, people, members of the Warren Committee will, will give them what weight they feel is due and will consider. I, at this point, I think we've gone through some iterations of Jay and his numbers and questions and some, some give, and, give and take on that. Would we like to have a more generalized discussion from you know, members of the Warrant Committee who might want to air sort of um, other concerns, perspectives on a higher level is maybe we can start guiding ourselves closer to some type of vote tonight, which we would expect to have. Is there anybody who wished to be heard? If, if I, came I think Tom. As a secretary, not as a comment. Uh, Member Joyce, your hand is up. I uh, don't know if you are next. Really, it's just there we go. Um, we have uh, Mr. Chair, just for, yeah. I'm good. John, we can't hear you. So uh, next up, we have uh, Julia Maxwell, Mr. Chair, then Amanda again. Okay. Um, I was just wondering if, Dave, I feel like this is a strength of yours, if you could maybe center this group on, yes, what, what are we here to do tonight? What should we be focusing this discussion on so we don't get too sidetracked with um, things that are not for us to decide tonight? I took good notes, Julia, while you said that. I would instruct all of the members of the Warren Committee to ask themselves, what are we doing here, right? The, uh, let's, I think we're getting, we're getting to the point where I think that we should start vocalizing our general concerns, talking about what we think about the article, keep in mind, there's two of them. We always focus on the MBTA as of right, multifamily as of right, but there's another one. Um, you know, what, what do we think as the Warren Committee, as members, and then as the Warren Committee? So are we for this? Is there anybody? Amanda. Girl, I'll kick it off. Um, I am for it, and I'm for it because um, it's the law that was passed. I listened to, uh, you know, as all of us have, we've listened to everything. And I think the things that, one of the things that stuck with me the other day was um, when one of the planning board, well, a couple of things from the planning board meeting. One was that you can pass a compliant article and still, if needed, adjust it, if that's an issue, because I know for a lot of people, Granite Ave is a big issue. But I then got concerned when I, when the, when it came back that a number of the people were more about 10%. And so I, I don't, I'm not really clear on the direction of the planning board, in all honesty. Um, I, I just, I'm concerned that there's a lot of time fighting this as opposed to um, coming up with the best plan possible for them or in their, you know, that they're comfortable putting forward. Um, 
I have concerns that just last year, we were getting in discussions about the land swap and the majority of the people or a number of people were concerned about getting into a protracted legal battle with the state. And yet now I feel like I'm hearing, bring it, let's get into a, let them sue us is what somebody said the other day. And I don't think that that's, I don't think that's the approach that as a town we should be taking. I think that, that, you know, there are two towns that aren't even, um, they're not even rapid transit communities and they've already passed it. Arlington already passed it, Lexington already passed it, and they're not even due for another year. I just, and, and so I just, I feel like the concerns around rapid transit have been asked and addressed by the state. I think that we've had time to do this, to put forward a compliant article. There's one in front of us. And I, I honestly don't understand why we are looking at going into, you know, considering legal action or presenting something that's non-compliant when, you know, it's been, it's been made clear that the issues that we are talking about um, have already been have already been rejected. And I think the other final thing is, um, but I'm sure I'll have more later. I think the other thing is there's no path to asking for more time, and that was one of the things that came up the other day. So I'm so I kept hearing we need more time, we need more time. It's there's a due date. There's been and even the chair of the planning board said, you're right, there is no path to that. So I just so for all of those reasons and and, and many more, I feel like um, I am in favor of this article. Thank you, Amanda. Tim. Um, Amanda, you said that the maps can be adjusted after it's voted on. That was a miss. They misspoke at other meetings. They said once they do the maps and they're voted on, they're done, or they have to go back to town meeting, which is another year. So working on the maps once this is done is irrelevant. We can't do it unless you want to wait or have a special town meeting. Um, and the other part is there is litigation on this from a 10 um, citizen lawsuit against Rockport. So it is currently being challenged. I, for one, think it's an illegal overreach of the home rule. And no, no one on the two boards that are doing this article can tell us what the cost of compliance is and what the cost of non-compliance is. They can't tell us. So you're just gonna give people a blank check. So if we get sued, it's gonna cost us money. And if we let it built, be built, then we have to incur, incur uh, capital costs for water and sewer and roads and lights and school, but we don't know what that's gonna cost us. The consultants don't even have their numbers back yet. And so this article is being shoved down on town's throat without all the information we need to make an informed vote. We all have a fiduciary responsibility to the town. You gotta put your emotions aside and think about the money that's being spent or possibly can be spent. That's all I have. Thank you, Tim. Allison? Um, I can respond. I, don't, I didn't know if I raised my hand. Um, I agree. I um, Some of the points member um, Tim made, you know, my concern is uh, it's, well, first, let me start with the select board voted three to two on this. So it wasn't a unanimous vote um, for 
this article. Um, so as we talk about planning board and their inconsistencies of how they speak, um, that's the same thing that's happening pretty much on select board issues that they had a higher number when they went and cast a vote for the article. So um, that being said, I, I uh, um, can understand the planning boards doing their uh, due diligence, which it should come from a planning board, the article. I mean, these are the people that are going to look at those key factors in what is going to be the town's responsibility. I mean, they are the planning board, so I can appreciate the time and consideration of all those details that it takes to make an article of this nature. This is not something that should be taken lightly. This is going to affect this town for the years to come. And if we zone it, we have to plan on it being built. That is a, a statement that should be very clear in the heads of everybody when making this, because these are these are going to be, and as I, I saw a video today, affect people's housing. You could put a big building next to a small house and take away some of the things that are important to them and, and what they thought was going to be their forever home. So we have to take this just as seriously. And when we talk about the land swap and going to battle on that, Great. You know, that's the that's something that the people of the town, if that's, you know, they wanted to form a lawsuit against, then that's the, the they're right. And that's what Rockport's doing. So, I mean, but the same people that that were against following the law there and were for the land swap are now saying, well, we have to follow the law. Well, that's a contradictory if I've ever seen one. So I'm just saying that, um, you know, if if we zone it, we we really need to be aware um, because we will have to go to a vote from the town at a town meeting. And those developers will have time because it is zoned. And these are developers that are going to come in and maximize their dollar amounts which for the highest. These are going to be not a five hundred to seven hundred thousand dollar that aren't selling in the Henry's right now. They are going to be million dollar condos, townhomes, multifamilies. Elliott Street um, sold one for 1.2, two family that they was bought for seven. So we're talking, these are flippers and developers. Um, so we really need to be mindful of how it will change. This is, Milton is not an ordinary town. It is, in, and like the RTCs, Milton is not a city. And we really need to compare ourselves. Uh, there was a, a town meeting member, Terry McNeil, who, and who wrote a letter that was sent to us. And I encourage everybody, went through six points that were from an attorney, who real estate attorney, who laid it out very clearly, I thought very, very thoroughly. And I recommend um, everybody looking at that, that uh, letter because it, it broke it down into the carbon footprint, the fiscal analysis, um, potential consequences of non-compliance. Um, and, you know, member Tom had mentioned some of that to us, but, you know, and the impact of infrastructure, resources and amenities, and that Milton was, is a, a guinea pig of not compared to anybody. I recommend we let the planning board do their due diligence, but Milton should be reclassified. It is nowhere near the comparison. We are not a walkable town. And again, let's emphasize town. We are not a city. 
So, and we are being put in the 12. We have 165 other towns doing it. And yes, it might be easy for Arlington to do it. And, and that's, but we are, we are a suburb slash city that is being made into a cl in close quarters into a, a, a city. So, um, yeah, that's just what I have so far. Thanks. Thank you, Allison. Yeah. No other hands, Mr. Chair. We don't have any other hands. On Zoom. On and Zoom. Uh, uh, Judith Steele. Judy? That silly little mute button down in the corner, they need to make it bigger. Um, seeing as no one else jumped in, I, I did make mention on Monday night that I had done some, you know, internet research on um, increasing housing in public transit areas throughout the country. And my research, you know, I'm not a paid researcher by any means, but um, came up with that no other entire state, you know, state mandated, not city mandated or county mandated, but statewide mandate to increase housing based on public transit. And my conclusion from reading a lot of these types of zoning is that we are the only state that's done this statewide. So following that bouncing ball, we come, or I came to, well, a thought that this has not been tested where a governor, um, alerts the attorney general to crank up the lawsuits against an individual municipality in her state because it's never come up in any other state. Um, so when we think about how our town could be punished, it's uncharted, in my opinion. And um, I probably have other things to say, but they're, they're kind of silly in a way. Um, I, I just think we shouldn't fear this. <clears throat> we don't have guidance. Um, the governor could say, as Chair Hall said on Monday that, oh, Milton is trying to do their very, very best, and I applaud that. Let's give them a little slack here. We don't know what the governor's going to say or do, or there, there's just no guidance. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Amanda, you had your hand up. Sorry. Um, so I just wanted to go back to a couple of things that um, Member Lyons responded to. I think as the planning board said the other day, that if they were coming back with a different, a, a new article, 
that they would that that would require whether an article comes back um, if 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 they put forward a compliant article and it passed and they wanted to adjust it as um, Mr. Gaius had said, they would have to go through those same steps. They would look at it, they would have to have a public hearing, and they would have to call a, um, a special town meeting. That's gonna be the same scenario if, they, if one doesn't go, if this doesn't pass and we need to put forward an, another article were to come through, we have to go through the same steps regardless. So I think my point was, why would we, why wouldn't, if we have the opportunity to adjust something, if it needed to be, why wouldn't we still go forward and put forward a compliant article? And I think the other thing is, um, and I think another concern that I have is, I think in saying that when we're talking about what um, Chair Hall said about, oh, it looks like they're doing their due diligence, we don't exactly have the best reputation. I mean, we are still a city, a town at 7% of um, affordable housing, and this has been in place since the 60s. And so, and because of that, I think we can all attest to the fact now that we now have, I don't know, is it approximately 500 new units of housing that are gonna be coming in over the next few years because we decided we didn't need to be compliant until now. Um, and then I think my third concern, and this is what I was trying to raise the other day is, is right now it's these grants. And, but we are, you know, we're putting forward a school building um, proposal and we're waiting to hear back from about funding. I don't think that a lot of these uh, grants that, you know, they're not gonna exactly look at Milton and say, oh, you know what, they're not being compliant, but let's still give them money for, their, for these large grants. I mean, it's not happening, but I do think if we're throwing out all of these other what-if scenarios, I think those are some very real ones that we should be considering as well. And I think finally, the, you know, we keep talking about these other costs. What's the cost of a prolonged litigation to the town? And why would we sign the town up for that? And not, you know, not have an idea of the cost. You know, we're talking about future sewer costs and electrical costs. Yet nobody's talking about the immediate legal costs that there would be should we um, decide, as somebody said, as one of the planning board members said the other day, let them sue us. I just, I don't see how that is fiscally responsible. Thank you, Amanda. Julia Maxwell. Thank you. Um, just to respond to some of the, the past comments in no particular order, um, something that really struck me in Monday night's meeting was Mr. Zula saying, do we want to take control or do we want to have it done to us? And that that is certainly my fear if we decide to not pass a compliant article or not recommend this article. Um, to town meeting. I think that, um, as others have said, I know it's not ideal to pass a compliant article and say that we can continue to work on it. But I, at this point in time, think that's our best bet. Um, I think most people uh, agree that Granite Avenue is definitely a concern. So I don't want to pretend that it isn't. Um, but I also, I, I, I feel like a lot of um, people, when we talk about numbers, are, are looking for guarantees, are looking for a way to predict the future. There will We will never have perfect information on this because there are so many variables that we can't control and that we can't know. 
Um, I think while I understand that we need to try to get to numbers if everything is built, I also think we need to look at all um, possibilities on the spectrum and understand that it is unlikely that all of these units will get built in a short time frame. It is more likely that some of these units will get built over a longer time frame. So uh, I, I think we need to look, uh, keep in mind that we don't know how this will play out and no one can tell us. And that's just the nature of the, the law that we're being um, told we need to comply with. I think you know, talking about um, rapid transit concerns, that has been asked and answered. We already know that Milton will not be reclassified. So um, we, we've gotten that answer. So we need to move forward knowing that we are classified as we are classified. And, you know, the, the unknown amounts of money that may need to be spent on the town's part for things like um, infrastructure, that money spent, you know, question mark, that argument goes both ways. And the penalties for noncompliance are unknown. It is uncharted, as everyone has said. And that's why I think it's so risky to think that we should we should offer up Milton to be the town to find out what the consequences will be. Um, as Amanda said, protracted legal fees over how who knows how long, and then potential forced compliance anyway. That's that is my fear when I think about um, non-compliance. So that's all from me for now. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Uh, We're talking about money, and does anyone on this committee? do a financial transaction without knowing the costs. We don't know the cost on either side. The select board doesn't know the cost. The zoning committee doesn't know the cost. I think this should just be sent back until they get all the results back from their consultants. And we even have estimates. We don't even have estimates right now what anything will cost us. They're, they're not even pulling numbers out of the sky. They have no idea. No one knows what compliance is gonna cost us, like I said before, or not. And people saying Milton's gonna be the test town. Rockport's already suing over it, so we're not the test town. There's already a lawsuit in the works about it. So we're not the test. With already litigation going on, they can't make us comply because if it's being litigated, it's not settled, so they can't tell you if you're in or out of compliance. Say it, Tim. Yep. Jay? Okay. Um, on, on, right, hold on. Yeah, I put some thoughts down today. So, so much of this discussion tonight, Monday night, so much of it has been negative. All I hear is doing this is bad, not doing this is worse, lawsuits, lawsuits flying. I don't want to have to choose between two negatives. So I want to see if I'm channeling my inner Bing Crosby, seeing if there's some positive to this. So we've already seen the financial positives, but I want to look past that. So here's the first positive I think of when I think of this law. What are we looking at here? This is the first house I lived in when I moved to the Boston area. This house is in the city of Newton. It was built in 1927. 
It's in a residential neighborhood about half a mile from Newton North High School. We lived on the top floor of three family units in this house. And this, this that you see right there, is what we're zoning for in the Elliott Street Corridor. I would suggest that this house that we're looking at would fit in nicely in any neighborhood in Milton. When we lived there, we were not a strain on the taxes of Newton. And at the time, I worked in Newton, so I wanted to live there. And this house gave me a place to live that I could afford. If I was a young person moving here wanting to live in Milton instead of Newton, I would have no such option now. But that's, that's personal. I wanted to, for other positives, I want to look at Milton's master plan. This was published in 2015 after significant work and input from the whole community. You can see three Milton residents that you may or may not recognize right there at one of the public forums that attracted over 100 people. If you lived here in 2015, you might have taken part in it, and you certainly heard about it. So I want to look here, look at the master plan to judge the proposal before us. because It's not just my opinion as to what's good or bad. It's the stated opinion of the residents of this town in the master plan. Uh, the master plan starts with some prophetic words on the first page, which we see here. For those interested in preserving the town as is, doing nothing will not result in no change. Change happens. If our goal is to preserve what we love about Milton, doing nothing will not achieve that. We have to look at exactly what we want to preserve and plan for that, or the change will come in a way we don't want, and it may have come that way already. Uh, next slide. When we get into specifics, many parts of the master plan are a perfect fit for the proposal in front of us. Uh, I will take a sidebar and say, I'm gonna be talking about affordability. Now, I'm not talking about affordable with a capital A under the law that we all know sort of what that means. I'm talking about affordable, just less expensive, smaller. We all took high school economics. We know about supply and demand. You build more things, you can buy more of them. So I'm gonna be talking about affordability, not with a capital A, but just less expensive. Anyway, back to the master plan. There are repeated calls in the master plan for more housing, especially smaller units fit for seniors or young people without kids. Comes up over and over. The next slide, this box is taken straight from the master plan. It shows what seniors and young people want. And this is exactly what this zoning will provide. Somewhere you don't have to drive, don't have a yard and a house to maintain, less square footage, opportunities for socializing, using public transit. What this is saying seniors and young people want is exactly what we're zoning for. And if you look at the bullets on the left, the first bullet says Milton doesn't have many residents who live alone. We're talking, you know, in this case, about maybe seniors who live alone. Right now, they, live they leave town, and they take their tax dollars with them. They stay, they'll keep paying taxes here. And the last bullet calls for updating our 1938 zoning to meet our needs. That's exactly what this is proposing. This was eight years ago in 2015. A uh, minor thing, but we've discussed this parking restrictions in the proposal. This is exactly what was called for in the master plan. Parking restrictions, especially if they're near transit stations. Um, there's more discussion of the need for dense housing. You have a 100-page document, you have to fill it with stuff, so it's sort of more of, more of the same. Uh, this, this is from a part of the document that I like. This is quotes from Miltonians that were, you know, they were saying exactly what they want to see. They want to see, this is eight years ago, they want to see the conversion of large homes into multifamily by breaking them up multi-housing units. 
create senior housing within walking distance of stores. Want young people to be able to move here. Empty nesters are moving to Dorchester. They're moving away. And we want sensible conversion of large homes into condos. Uh, it also addresses Granite Ave. So they said they looked at three areas that they wanted to redevelop. The movie theater in East Milton, the Granite Ave, and Hendry's. Well, we got the meatloaf ratio. We got two out of three. Granite Ave is the only one we haven't redeveloped. They, they talk about you know, that it's a very nice property. It's right on the river, nice views. Uh, talking about DOT grants to build sidewalks. So they were planning on updating the Granite Ave site eight years ago. That is the master plan. That is the will of the town. Uh, and for my last slide, I want to get a little more philosophical. People have talked a lot about preserving the character of Milton. But what does that mean? I moved to Milton in 2006. And we moved here for several reasons. It had great schools. It was close to Boston. But also, it was affordable. It was not cheap. But it was much more reasonably priced than comparable towns that we would have considered when we wanted to raise a family. When we moved to Milton, it was a town with a widespread of incomes. This town had billionaires and world-famous musicians, but it also had many people of much more modest means all living together in the town. And now we have to ask, will it be that way in the future? If people of more moderate means cannot afford to move in here, what will Milton look like in a couple decades? I would not be able to move to Milton right now with the housing market as it is. And my question for all of you is, think about it. Would any of you be able to move to Milton in this market with the finances that you had when you moved here? And if the answer is no, what does that say about Milton? Are we truly preserving the character of the town if the kind of people who live here now are no longer able to move here? In 2015, they said 45% of Milton residents would not be able to afford to buy a house if they were newcomers. And that was when the average home price was $460,000. A quick Google search to me didn't, didn't give me one number, but it looked like now we're talking about, about double that for a median house. We are not preserving the character of Milton if we are moving from a town where people of modest means can afford to move here to a town that only millionaires can afford. There are great places in Massachusetts that only millionaires can afford, like Lexington, like Wellesley. Those are great places, but I don't want Milton to turn into them. If we truly want to preserve what makes Milton unique, we don't do it by sticking our heads in the sand. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm tired of talking about who's going to sue who. We have a state law. We have a deadline. I really want to look at what the effect of this law would have on our town. This plan provides housing. It provides housing exactly as we said we needed in 2015 and have done very little to achieve in eight years. It may not be perfect. It may not solve everything. But if we want to preserve Milton, the Milton that we move to, this is the right direction to go. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. Julia. Julia, Julia. Oh, sorry, Ju Julie Joyce. Thank you. And then so, Julia. Um, thank you, Dave. So I, I wanted to make a comment um, a little bit about when we're talking about affordability and you know that's what I do for work. So um, 
all of the people that I move out of South Boston, it's because they can no longer afford to live in the gentrified area that they grew up in. All of this building does not make property more affordable or within grasp, but especially for first time home buyers and people who grew up in neighborhoods. These are not affordable units that they are proposing. These will not make it any easier. People's lot of land will now be significantly more valuable if they can be developed. So please make that note that, I mean, Jay, I'm, I'm not trying to throw you under here, but um, I, on a regular basis, take people out of Southie because they can't afford to stay in the neighborhood that their parents and grandparents lived in. I do it in Dorchester, and it's the same thing in Milton. A lot of that is interest rates, which you know nobody has any control over in these rooms. What we do have control over is not making the dirt itself more expensive. Thank you. Thank you, Julie Joyce. Julia Maxwell. No, I, I did not have my hand up, I think. Oh, okay, it's Judy. Tom, did you wanna? Judy, you okay, find that little we button. To, we have to, um, we have to get new names that don't all start with J, huh? <laughs> and that's not meaning you too, Jay. But JJ's got two okay. of them. <laughs> I know, and JJ's got two. Okay, um, I just wanted to make a comment that I truly believe that all people looking at this um, proposal for housing, I haven't heard anyone indicate they are against having more housing in our town. I spoke with someone today and indicated to them that I moved to this town in 1980. So that, not that that's really important how long I've been here, but with that longevity, I have seen increased housing come to our town. It has not been a bad thing. Um, there was more open space in 1980 than there is today. And that is because housing has replaced that open space. Um, it, it seems to me that this isn't, an, people that are not um, supporting this particular district zoning that's come upon us, they're not against housing. We understand that, you know, we could make room for more housing. It's a question of how, and to use Jay's word, Milton-y, which Dave liked, and it's kind of cute, I like it. It's how we Milton-y that more housing. And I think over the time span that I've been here in this town, I have seen um, thoughtful housing increased, and now I somewhat see lots of land um, where, big for me anyway, um, big money housing, anything, you know, in the 1.5 range is big money for me. And they're squishing it, it into little spaces where 
it's almost like being city housing. So yes, there's all kinds of increasing in housing. Um, but I just wanted to make that point. I don't believe anyone, whichever way you want to see this as this is too fast for us right now, we need to, you know, look at these zones that have been carved out, um, see how it's going to impact the density of housing. I don't know anyone that indicates no more building in town. So to Jay's point, I guess, and others, other members of our committee, um, it's, it's okay to increase housing. It's how we want to Miltonize it. And do I believe that the state will do it for us? We have no indication. There's no doubt to show that the state will do it for us. I think Milton will still have a chance to make it Milton-y. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Ron. Hi. Uh, so I tried to take some time to listen and think about all the different opinions that were shared. And I think it's been helpful to hear uh, I mean, a lot of the, the opinions are emotional and for good reason, because I do think it'll impact people's lives and their properties and their families. And you know, I, I do think a lot of the, um, you know, the statements from especially the, the families who will be impacted on Granite Ave are very, uh, it, it's difficult to listen because I, I do think that these decisions will have real impacts on them and as well as families in East Milton and families all over the town. And I think, you know, we just have to balance that with the families who will be coming to this town. And I think there are some positives uh, that they can't voice their opinion for all the families that want to come to Milton and make this a better town and more diverse and, you know, raise families here. I think there, there's a lot of good that can come from this. And I think naturally there's fear from change. And, and I think we all would like to have certainty and I, I don't think you'll ever get it right i think i'm no expert in zoning laws or how municipalities make these types of very tough decisions but i think you get the best people you can make decisions based on the information you have and you know you adapt and you you have the city it's a living thing right the town will adapt and change and i think it should change i think the thought that Milton has to stay exactly what it was 50 years ago. I, I, I can't believe that, right? I just don't believe that's how communities thrive and survive. I think that's how communities fall into decay and they become places where people don't want to live when things don't change and, you know, people aren't trying to make things better. So I think we all, all share a desire to do what's right and do what's best for the town. I, I honestly believe every single person I heard is interested in that. So uh, I don't disagree when people are emotional and they, they don't agree, you know they don't get behind the bill. I support it because I haven't been shown another option. I've been shown one option, and the way I look at our obligations is we follow the law, and we we, we have to do what's right what we're obligated to as officials for this town. So I would love 
if someone could present an alternative plan that had been written up, thought through, and we could decide. I don't think just criticizing the existing plan is enough. I, I think we could all criticize the plan. I don't think anyone is fully happy to just take it and then, you know, and have no, no modifications. But absent seeing an alternative, I don't know what option I've been given other than to support it. And I'll just say that uh, I, I, not to get into my personal politics here, but I personally think people, it's good when people have control over their property. And part of me thinks, hey, if this zoning law lets people make decisions about their property that they couldn't make beforehand, I mean, maybe they decide to sell their property to a developer. That's freedom, right? I mean, maybe they get more money for it. Maybe that's good for them. Maybe that could help their kid go to college. I don't know. Not my job to, to guess what people's personal like circumstances are. But I do think the zoning change would seem to give more people who live in this town more flexibility to do things with their property that they otherwise couldn't do, perhaps. I think maybe that's a good thing. Obviously, we have to counter that against the impact on their neighbors. So I don't know, you know if, if that nets out to be better or worse, but I do think there are some positives here and people will benefit and some people may you know, suffer some of the consequences. And I, I don't know how we can ever properly estimate what those exact you know, balances are, but, but I do think there are some potential benefits that we're not, uh, not really focusing on. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. You know, I, I really appreciate all the inputs and all the opinions. I will say that I do support the select board's article. And for you know, one large reason is because I haven't seen an alternative. I would hope that in the time between when we vote on this and when we go to town meeting, maybe there could be amendments that could be proposed. And then we can decide. Because then that, that gives us something that to, to decide between. So right now, I don't see any other plans that have been proposed. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. <clears throat> Tom. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, well, just to move off, Ron, Ron, I appreciate your comments you just made. And um, I agree with you, I think. Oh, I'm, I was, think I was muted. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Ron, I just want to um, say thanks for your comments. And I, I do agree with you. Um, I think that everybody wants uh, the best out of the situation. You know, when I, when I, you know, I, there's been so many ideas and we've discussed so much, we've had conversations and I, I can't repeat everything, nor will I. I think we can all go back and forth, tit for tat probably for days on end about this. But when I look at this right here, you know, what I'm talking about is, is stuff that we have no control over now as a warrant committee and it's really in the hands of town meeting. but. You know, when this was coming down a year ago, it baffles me why we didn't go at this then. Why we didn't challenge the state then. And we kind of just sat around. Now, I can't speak to that. I'm not criticizing anybody. We've had so much to do in this town, and I've been part of it, uh, for better or worse. But... There's been so much that we've had to do, and I understand we're volunteers and um, we can't get everything done. We're a little town. But you know, when I think about this, we're like, why didn't we go at it then? It's, it's clear, and Allison cited a very, 
well written, well thought out letter from our from two citizens uh, that were down on Elliott Street. Where they really laid this out, and um, you know, this is what I was hoping we were going to be thinking about and doing. We are nothing like Newton. We are nothing like Wellesley. We are nothing like Brookline. We're not like these towns. And, and if you look at that letter and you see the comparison of the other 11 communities, Brookline, Newton, Braintree, Cambridge, look at the revenues they bring in. I mean, we are like small potatoes compared to them. And the services we receive from the MBTA are, are nothing like what they get. Um, so that's the kind of thing I'm really disappointed about, that maybe we're not having the conversation now about being an adjacent community. I agree, Milton does need housing. We have to address this problem. We are victims of our own success in this region. People from all over the country are moving here because we're a great place to live. I'm not saying Milton, I'm saying Boston, New England. We, that's why real estate's going up. This is an unaffordable area for like the entire country. So let's not just talk about Milton. It's every other surrounding community that's going through this. So, um, you know, this is a regional problem, a region of millionaires. If you look at the rest of the country, that, that's really what we are. And so, you know, kind of, I'm not, I'm not giving a solution there, like Ron said, because there isn't an alternative. And I, I've thought of alternatives, but, you know, when I look at this, my fear isn't about people moving in and, and, and you know, cars and that, I mean, it is, it is, let's not, my fear is the financial health and sustain of this town um, under this and, and numbers I've looked at from Jay and, and, and Lori and the initial planning board numbers. I think we have a, we have a spending problem in this town and it's only going to be exacerbated. We got 40 Bs, developments in uh, East Milton Square. What's going to happen to the firehouse when we rebuild that firehouse? What's going there? More housing? We still haven't built our firehouses. We're going to owe money on that. Uh, a couple of our members, the schools, how much is that going to cost? Operational overrides, school overrides, uh, water and soil. I mean, this is just a steamrolling effect that this is going to have. Um, over us, our tax bills, property taxes aren't going down. If we're, we're making nickels on this, nickels are coming in and, and, and we're going to be paying a lot of money out in services and everything else. So I, I think the fear is for me is the, the financial standing of the town. And I also look at some of the other concerns, traffic. Well, Quincy's building Hospital Hill, it's already built. Every other community around us is doing this. Traffic is not going away. It's only going to get worse. And that's, that, that's other towns coming in here. That's not even what we're, we're creating. So, uh, you know, as I sit here, and, and Ron indicates, uh, um, what's the alternative, you know? And, and, um, and I don't know what it is. What is that alternative? I, I listened to the planning board, which is against this, four to one, I, I believe. Um, I want to defer to them. They are our elected planning board. Um, they think that this can get done. Do we zone for the 10% and then sue? And then we have a plan in place if the state forces us to, to do anything. But I mean, what do we do to put Milton first? You know, I, I, I think that, you know, we should have pushed back. I think we should push back. 
if, if the state makes us do it, so be it. And I think we're ready to do it if we need to be and we're forced to. But I think there's a lot of litigation. I think there's a lot of questions here. But I, I want to put Milton first. I want to put the Milton taxpayers first. And I, I think that that's what we're doing by not recommending this in its current form. There are a lot of problems we all agree. I don't know if anybody really wants this to happen in their neighborhood. I don't think so. I feel bad. Um, and I never would feel like I would recommend what neighborhood gets this and what neighborhood gets that. But, you know, I, I think we're looking at a lot here and uh, I don't have an alternative. I, I hope town meeting discusses it and maybe they can come up with an alternative. But I think going forward with this and not preparing for the absolute worst financially is a mistake for this town. And I'm having a hard time supporting this. Now, I look at Jay's master plan, and the master plan talks about Milton and what people in Milton want. Senior housing for themselves, housing for their children, lower tax bills, more amenities. Again, the master plan puts Milton first, and I think we should be putting Milton first. And I don't think that in this current form that this article is ready and I would like to see it go to the planning board. As one of the members said, three to six months, it could be ready from their perspective. And I think maybe I would hope that the courts in the current litigation would give us some guidance, maybe, um, as to what we should be doing. And do we join in in that? And it does cost money. But um, if I look at how much this potentially has to cost the in the future of Milton and who's going to be sitting at this table 10 years from now, um, you know, that's what keeps me up. So um, those are just some comments I have. I, I really appreciate the discussion and, uh, you know, what everybody's mentioned so far. Thank you, Tom. Steve Rines. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, first, thanks to uh, a fellow and uh, members for all the comments and insights. It's it's really welcome. Um, this is something that's weighed on me really heavy. Um, you know, last year started with the schools and the pressure from that, and we went through that process. Um, and then, you know, now here we are again with another situation. Um, and and so, really trying to unpack, you know and look at this realistically with pros, cons. Um, you hear a lot of statements about, you know, making Milton more welcome. Um, now, I can't speak for everyone, but I can say I did move here from Southie in 2008, um, and we bought a house in East Milton, and it's probably one of the greatest places I've ever lived, and worked with several, several of my neighbors to help develop a neighborhood association. And and But one of the things that sticks out of my head is that when I was here and my wife was pregnant with our first child, I was in the house by myself painting. I had neighbors knocking on the door to say hello and welcome me to the neighborhood. I think Milton is a very welcoming place. Um, and I'm really proud, proud to say I live here. And, you know, you, you constantly look around and you see how we are constantly nationally ranked as one of the best places to live, raise a family, work, go to school. And certainly we have our challenges. Every place does. 
As I look at what's been presented to us over the last few weeks, the articles, the folks have presented, um, the long meetings, and we've all put our time in there. I think there's some challenges for me to get my head around this and to support this. Um, and I look at the majority of the density falling on Granite Avenue, 65%, I heard someone say earlier, and that's a lot for folks in that area, people who you know, I represent as a town meeting member, people who I vote at, have, I represent as a neighborhood association uh, member, and just a citizen. It's just a lot for the folks to, to bear. Um, there's a lot of development coming in there. Now, I will caveat that by saying I'm excited about development. I think we need more housing stock than we have here, the right housing. I think we need a commercial base that's robust, that offsets our tax burden. And it's, the taxes have gone up substantially since 2008. Um, and I, there's a lot of debt service that keeps getting added to the town. I think the, some of the challenges I also have is that we are waiting for key pieces of information that are linked to financial impacts for the town, short, mid, and long-term, not just to the folks that are in this in this body, but our children who will be here and may decide to live here, and that tax service will keep getting pushed. Um, I look at and there's some of the other challenges where I look at, a, a, you know, in my view, a divided select board, a divided uh, planning board. We had, we had members of their body presenting to us, and they don't have agreement on what they're asking us to vote on and support. That's troubling for me because we look at them to lay the foundations for us to review articles and bring them before the town body um, to vote on. Another piece for me that's, is why haven't we reached out to our electeds? Uh, Walter Timothy or uh, Bill Driscoll. I mean, they're both outstanding representatives of our town and our state. I think they would be willing to help us and ask for some, you know, to listen to us. You know, I I, I think that um, it's there are unknowns around the cost. And I've heard this around what what will happen if we're not compliant. I get it. I, I absolutely never want to break a law, but I'd like to understand more about what does it mean. If, if, can we get more time if we leverage these electeds? There is always a way. There's always a way to do this. Um, I talked about, I, you know, I, some of the pros for this for me are that we haven't had real zoning. I'm hearing since like 1938, some at least substantial change. I've had the, you know, I don't know, I'd say good fortune sitting in um, lots of town meetings and meetings where they're reviewing uh, rezoning of properties in my neighborhood and across the town. We definitely need some sort of zoning, whether it's overlay zoning, uh, more commercial zoning to make, to help this situation that we're in now. Um, and, you know, obviously there are no guarantees that this would be affordable housing. I, I, earlier, one of our members stated, uh, based on her profession, that these, she, you know, they probably will not be affordable housing. Mean, I think she's right. I think that there is a demand for high-end real estate, and I think this is a great place for them to be here. So. Um, you know, and I'll just close with this, and, and, and I appreciate you all listening to me, is that I think we have a responsibility to the families who live here now. And I think we do have a responsibility to develop a place and develop a plan to address and expand to allow additional families to move here and to live here and enjoy everything I just talked about, but also to have a commercial base that can support them so they're not going to move here with a giant tax burden as well. Thank you for your time. I yield. The member yields. <laughs> Judy. 
Nope, not me. No, Amanda and JJ. Amanda. Another J problem. JJ was before me. JJ. Sorry, I had to find the mute button. Thank you. Thank you for. Um, I, I honestly, <laughs> there's a lot, so much to say on this topic, and I don't know. I don't know where to begin. I have ten pages of notes from last meeting, and I have two pages of notes tonight. <laughs> um, but I guess I'll start with the headline, which is that I support passing this article because I do think there's a desperate need for housing both in the Milton area and in the greater region. But there's one big caveat to that, and I, I do worry about the plan and how it affects the Granite Avenue situation. Um, but I'll get back to that because um, I have other things to say. Uh, so with respect to Milton, um, Jay was talking about how he Googled and he couldn't find the median house price. The good thing about being at home in a Zoom is you can do that. <laughs> so um, I just wanted to read some things about Milton and the greater Boston area, portability, et cetera, okay? So according to the Boston Globe, the median single-family home price hit $900,000 this year in greater Boston, an area roughly inside 495. In Milton, it was 928,000. So for those prices, a household would need an annual income of at least $300,000. That's $300,000. The average median income in Boston right now is around $82,000. So it's clear that just where things stand right now, people cannot afford, an average person cannot afford to live in this town. Um, and even though we're wealthier than most towns, we have a median household income of 154,000. Again, this is from the Boston Globe. That's well north of the Boston metro median of $104,000 and the statewide median of $94,000. Um, so why did I read all that stuff? Again, just to drive home the point that Tom made, this is a regional problem. And how do you solve regional problems? We have to solve it regionally with a regional plan. And that is what this is. This is a regional plan. And now if every town came along and said, hey, we're not complying with this regional plan, then we no longer have a regional plan. And how does that affect this region? I worry about affordability, but I also worry about our economics. Um, I didn't really fully understand it, but Amazon in its search for a new home, Boston ticks nearly all the boxes. We have a highly educated workforce. We have great amenities. But the one thing we do not have is housing affordability, and they left because of that. And as, as a direct result of that, this law was passed. And you multiply that times multiple up-and-coming companies, you know, that's a recipe for regional decline. And, you know, I just visited Detroit. Like, there's two ways this gets more affordable. 
There's two ways. We either build more housing or we lose all our companies and we our region declines. Like, it's just that simple. So we have to build more housing. And for that reason, I, 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 I'm really in support of this. But that being said, the housing doesn't have to go. And this, like, you know, these people in Granite Avenue, I mean, I feel terrible. And one resident there made a very salient point, in my opinion, said, where are the units in the center of Milton? Where are they? Like, wh why is it not spread out? And I've heard from both the planning board and the select board presentation that this is a very complicated process. And the way I think about it in my head, it's like a water balloon and it, it's squishy. If you push something one way, it's going to go all over the place and it's not really predictable how it's going to work. And this was the best plan. But to speak to what Ron said, I would love to have seen a different plan from the planning board. I would have loved to have seen it, even if it was just 10%, because it's so easy to knock this plan. But what are the other plans? And when the planning board says that we are going to get another plan in three to six months, I don't know how to take that at face value, just because we heard them last night. You know, some people are 25%, some people should be 10%. Some people, I mean, I don't know. And, and the process for developing another plan is if you take units away from Grand Avenue, they're going to go somewhere else. And those people most likely will start being up in arms. But I do believe in this plan. I hope that it passes. And I hope that we rezone afterwards through special town meeting to alleviate the Grand Avenue situation. And that's it, thank you. Thank you, JJ. Amanda. Um, thanks, and I, I think some people have made some really great points. Um, and I think the one that I keep coming back to is I think I have, I'm frustrated that we as the warrant committee are in this position, um, that we, as other people have said, we don't have another option. Um, I'm also very wary of the comment that something could be done in three to six months. There's, we've already had three to six months. And, and so I'm just concerned that um, time hasn't been spent to come to agreement or come to an article that could be presented to us. Um, I feel like we're the only ones voting on it right now. I mean, nobody, there hasn't been a vote on them and there hasn't been an, an alternative article presented. And it's just, I just, I find that frustrating. Um, the one other thing I just wanted to note about Granite Ave is the one concern I have, and I think um, Chair Zulis said this the other day, and it was about, do we want to, you know, do we want to have control over this situation? And I think that that's really important. I think we have control over by putting in the design guidelines. I think that that um, that has a huge impact. And I think for specifically for Granite Ave, uh, you know, for all of them. I mean, when you think about what the places are, will look like, there, you know, we're not talking about big behemoth buildings going in on Elliott Street, you know, they're two and a half 
stories, but more specifically to Granite Ave, um, my concern is if we don't zone that in a particular way and the state is looking for all available land that they can use for housing, somebody else will take it and we will have no, we won't have any um, control over what goes in there. So where now we could have design guidelines, we can have space, we can have, I always get this wrong, the, the floor ratio, um, you can have limitations on parking. All of that goes away if we aren't controlling that. And I think that's my biggest concern specifically about Granite Ave is that if we don't do it and seeing that this is such a high priority with the state, that they will do that. They will either sell it to somebody else or a 40B developer will come in. And then and, and then with 40B, they don't even have to look at the... Um, uh, the issues with, you know, the flood zones, all of those things. And so I, I think that is why I feel like if we zoned for that, and again, as we talked about, is if then if there's a way to reduce the number at some point, but at least those design guidelines have us on, um, they give us that control. And, it, and then that you don't get something massive in there that, that might otherwise happen, knowing that this is such a high priority for the state. So, thank you. Thank you, Amanda. Tom. Yeah, um, Ms. Banks, Mr. Amanda, I, I agree with you. Uh, we've been put, as a committee, we've been put in a tough spot. We have, I can't hear you, Tom. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say something. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Amanda, I, I, uh, I appreciate your comments because I think the Warren Committee is in a pretty bad spot. Um, we have an article that is just, you know, for lack of better words, just having us roll over and accept uh, what the state in a cookie cutter way thinks fits Milton, which I think is wholly incorrect. And, and also, um, you know, not only have they drafted this law and tried to put, you know, us into this pigeonhole, but, you know, we also look at a, a terrible uh, commuter system that they have not maintained and again are forcing cities and towns into this terrible mismanaged uh, agency that, that they haven't done anything to um, in years and are expecting us to all conform with no plan in sight. The state has no plan. They've neglected housing They've neglected the MBTA, and this is their way to check the boxes, um, Amanda. So I, I agree. I agree with all of that. I, I don't agree that we should just go along with it, however. And I think JJ and Ron, and I think everyone, you know, made an excellent point about an alternative. Then this is a terrible, terrible plan that Milton does not fit into from my perspective, and I think some others here. Um, and it is tough. I don't think, though, that given the the issue and the relative um, uniqueness of this issue nationally and on the state level in terms of zoning, uh, that a, that the court is not gonna is gonna come in and do this draconian. We're gonna take the land. We're gonna develop. Force you to develop. I don't think that'll happen because of all the questions uh, at this point. However, we don't know. Um, but what I do know is this isn't a good plan for Milton. So, 
Thank you, Tom. There are no other hands raised. Oh, I just have a few um, points, if I may go. Sure. Um, I had heard that the planning board hasn't spent the time, but actually, in their defense, they are using the designs that they put select boards using their design um, guidelines. So I think that it, give, given more time, imagine much what they can do further with all the information that they need. Um, there's a few points I just want to address that are really important. The state cannot do zoning um, and they cannot build and not care about flood zones. So like to think that they can just go in, I mean, they have to, they can't do the zoning, they can't go in, it's, it's illegal. Um, and it will have uh, consequences for lawsuits. So I do think that that's important um, to note. Um, and let's not, let's focus too, that this is a transit oriented uh, article. This is not an affordable housing article. That is a very important point to be made because this will not determine, we have um, lower than, J, uh, I think member JJ brought up 900,000 being the medium. There are 11 units available under 900. Um, so there are those, those options available that aren't selling. They've been on the market for um, over a year. Um, so, I think to think that that's what the members of the community are look or people from out of town are looking for. Um, I think it's single families, sometimes multifamilies, um, but these are family oriented people. If you look at what the, our buyer market and those, um, as people have said, with the Boston region, we do not determine um, affordable pricing. These are people, the real estate, the, the people that build it are going to determine that. Um, and obviously around the surrounding area, we are miles from the city. Um, so we are in a prime location that will uh, determine um, people moving in. And, uh, you know, it's hard because many of those who live in these houses in town are not going to be affected by these, this area. We really need to listen to the res residents. This is a, uh, a responsibility that uh, we as members of the community we represent. Um, and so that's, uh, you know, I, as sad as people feel, they're the ones that are not um, going to be impacted by it. So thank you. And I think, uh, you know, honestly, I think people know where they stand. I mean, I think we could go to a vote. <laughs> but besides Lori not talking. Hold on, okay. Yeah. JJ had his hand up. Okay. And then Lori. And then Lori. Yeah, um, I just wanted to say, I don't think anyone said it, and if they have, then forgive me for saying it again, but um, at the meeting, I thought something, the, the description that um, the planning board gave us on the difference between 40B and this article is 40B is a reduction mandate. Basically, we were below the affordability threshold and we were supposed to have 10% of our units be affordable. So by right, developers were allowed to come in and produce those units. And this article is a zoning mandate. So it allows for the production of those units, but it, you know, eventually through development. But it, anyways, I just thought that was an interesting distinction. Um, 
but just 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 to just to disagree with uh, Allison on on what you just said with the housing affordability. Um, affordability, it, there's a supply curve and a demand curve. And right now, the demand for housing is huge in this area. And that's the reason why Milton's town hall, town, like our house price median is $928,000, almost $1 million. Now, if we, you know, I'm not advocating this, but if we put another, you know, 10,000 units here, or we couldn't, right? But let's say we did it. I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying, like, if we put another, in, in Boston area, if we put another million units oh in this area, gonna, I guarantee you the price will come down. Okay? Gridlock. Yeah, of course it'd be gridlock. So it <laughs> has to be done in the right way. But let's go look, down. I, I'm sorry. Who's talking? I, I, I'd love, I don't know. I, I'd love to address it. Is there someone... That doesn't mean that it's a guarantee the pricing will go down. It's it, look at what every, you know, it, it's people will pay whatever the pricing of the people that put the developer what they price it at. People, if people are willing to pay it, that will determine. Yeah, but there's competition for those houses. So if there's a million, if I'm selling my house for nine hundred thousand dollars, and you can go get it another of my house down the street, but not only another of my house, but another 10 of my houses, That's then I can't sell my house for 900,000. I've got to lower the price. That's because there's more supply. You know, I, this is becoming academic. I, I can say I actually did make it through Robert Caro's, the power broker, the biography of Robert Moses in New York which I would sum up as, if you build it, they will come. Lori's next. Thank you. I just wanted to um, comment that in today's Globe, I think last week, Beyond the Gilded Gate, Milton was featured as being um, somewhat exclusionary and all of these things that some folks have mentioned. Today's article is Reckoning with Boston's Towers of Wealth. Luxury high-rises are sprouting across the skyline. Why is Boston, amid a grave housing crisis, so much better at building homes for the wealthy than those in need? Well, I haven't read the whole article, but I think um, it would be worth reading since Boston also is exempt from the MBTA Communities Act that we're struggling with. And um, I also wanted to say, I don't think anybody here or at the planning board or the select board even doesn't wanna build housing. It's all about the timing. And we can debate whether or not folks haven't worked hard enough or done their due diligence in a timely manner, but we're close. It seems like people are close, 2461 seems high, worth debating the issue still of adjacent community potentially. And I think it's reasonable. I don't think we are, as Tom said, rapid transit like the other communities that are rapid transit. So I think, um, I think we should take our time. I think we should do it right. If we pass it, 
we won't go back and adjust it. We should just take the time. And hopefully it's three months and not six months, but get it right. And depending upon the Rockport lawsuit, depending upon the Holden lawsuit, we may see what the court says. And if we have to do 2461, I would assume we would all agree with 2461, having thought through where it should go with less impact. And again, I will say that, you know, the majority of folks that spoke at the public hearing from the Elliott Street corridor, not just Elliott, but some of the surrounding streets, we're all in support of this, and we have the minimum amount going in that area. And again, part of that is a flaw with the model, and we have a couple of other flaws, and maybe we need to work specifically with the state to fix the model or adjust the model so it can take into some of the, some of the other issues that we are trying to deal with and be able to get to a compliant article. And then on the supply and demand issue, um, the upzoning, I think an upzoning can't find it here. There was an upzoning article, upzoning um, Newton. Newton. It's Seattle, Seattle, a, a city in Seattle, Ballard versus Newton. So they were going back and forth debating the issue and they were describing in Seattle what happened with all this building and the zoning reform, upzoning reform and what happened to the city as a result of it. So Newton is also struggling with this, and I think it's worth the hour and 13 minutes to watch it. Thank you. Did you send that? I went out today. Oh, I will send it. Okay, Steve Rines was on deck and then Tim. Steve, Steve was next. After. Yeah, I took my I took my hand down because I okay. do agree with you. If they if they build it, uh, they will come. I mean, the seaport is evidence of that. They just keep going up no matter where, so. I agree with you. That's it. It is right and proper to do so. Thank you, Tim. Um, people said that the uh, zoning board did what has been working on for a few years and they have done enough time. They actually only got a signed contract with UTL on April 7th of this year. It's not been two years, no matter what the planning office says. The contract was only signed, I think April 7th, April 3rd, somewhere around that time. So they haven't had a, even a full year to get this done, which is ridiculous. Thank you, Tim. Amanda. Um, I just have two things. One, um, I would just say that we've had the same amount of time that everybody has had. Um, so, and there are people who have it done already, but that wasn't my point. I guess the point, the question I have actually is, it's more, I guess, um, procedural. Yeah. So say, um, that it, what, um, what is this, uh, is this one of those that if it doesn't pass a town meeting that it can't come again for another year? I think we brought that up before, so but that, I'm not clear on what happens. So the, the, so in my understanding of the answer to that question, Amanda, the question being the concern is, is, is if, if this is a no vote, if it is a no vote at town meeting, does it is it required to come back two years later? They're looking into that. I had this conversation with town council um, prior to the meeting where we the presentation, is that they are confident that there is a way to structure um, the article, to structure the way it is presented to town meeting that we would not be bound by the two year rule, okay? It's not like a black, it's not a bright line 
black letter law, but they feel very comfortable with that. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, then we had, so I appreciate that the, 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 the comments are getting briefer and briefer. It seems to me like we're getting closer and closer to an actual vote. So keeping that in mind, the, the pleasure that we're all feeling with the comments getting briefer and briefer, I now recognize Judy. Uh, thank you, Mr. <laughs> Chair. Um, and I will keep this very brief. Um, when Member Lori mentioned uh, an article about upzoning, um, just wanted to mention during this intensive research I did on, well, let's say upzoning, um, I ran across an article that the pros and the cons, and it was done by a bunch of um, architects, lawyers, people like that, involved in this kind of thing. And um, a con appeared, and it was very informative. It involved the city of Chicago that upzoned via public transportation in a certain area of their city. And what actually happened, that was a con, because what actually happened, it pushed out um, moderately income people who couldn't get back in once all the new buildings went up because it goes to the affordability. They were brand new shiny buildings that attracted um, more financially secure um, buyers and the demographics of that particular area changed from a diverse um, area of population to a very non-diverse category of population. In other words, it went from diversity to practically all white, high income people. That's just a comment. It was only, and I'm not saying that's going to happen here. I'm just making a comment. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. JJ. Um, Dave, I've read the Power Broker too. <laughs> <laughs> It's a weighty tone, and uh, it's getting late, so we won't discuss that. But um, you said if you build it, they will come. I would like to amend it, that statement, to say if you build enough of it, uh, they will come, and it will be affordable. There you go. Um, just to quote Boston Globe again about, our dear, uh, about Milton, home construction in Milton slowed dramatically after the 1960s and all but froze the past two decades. About 93% of our town's housing stock was built before the year 2000. So, um, you know, there was, a, this town was attractive for hundreds of years, but it was affordable in the past. And, you know, that was because people were allowed to build. And we are not building here or in this region. And so that is my take on that sentence. I'd like to just pass on. Thank you. Thank you, JJ. Let's do it. Let's do it. 
Uh, no other speech. hands are raised on Zoom. Allison makes a motion. Motion. Um, Allison, what is your motion? Um, to vote. I don't know what the article is. What's it for? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you're making a motion with regards to the proposed article with regards to the MBTA community zoning. By law. You couldn't hear um, Allison. I'm making a motion to vote. So I'm I'm going to encapsulate what there I believe go. her motion is for the record is that we have a motion by member Allison Gagnon to with regards to the proposed article with uh, uh, the subject of which is the MBTA communities zoning bylaw for um, as of for multifamily as of right that it be referred to the select board who put this one forward oh that's select confusing board. select board select board select board i would say to the select, select board article it's a select board for further study is that your motion yes that is correct okay is there a second i'll second it Tim Lyons seconds, seconds it. Can you repeat that. What? Uh, Dave? Yes. Are you saying you're you're sending it for further? The, are the move the the vote is to send it for further study? Yes. Okay, yes. Thank you. To refer it for further study. You know, sometimes we have said back. There's a question of whether you can send something back. I don't know. So I think that the language would be to refer it back right that's what we're saying for further study so there's a motion so and it's seconded so the yes vote would be essentially to send it back a no would be to not send it back okay um our clerk karen bosworth yes and if the no's have it will someone be able to make another motion I, we would have another motion i think would be appropriate yes thank you Thank you, Jay. Um, Tom is our secretary. Would you please conduct a roll call vote on the motion? I will, and please, uh, to those on Zoom and in present, please um, clearly state yes or no in terms of your but, vote. But um, I just, I, I'm so sorry. It's hard sometimes on Zoom. Dave, could you go over that um, again one more time? What the yes it, is, I think. Yes. Yes, yet, we're going to send yet, it back. Yes. And no is? Not to send it back. Not to send back. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yes. Are there, are there any other questions before we do the vote? Uh, Tom, please conduct a vote. Okay, no hands on Zoom. Please clearly state your position on the motion by saying yes or no. Uh, Lori Conley. Yes. Jay Funley. No. Allison Gagnon. Yes. Julie Joyce. Yes. Kristen Cosell. Yes. Dream Langwa. Yes. Timothy Lyons. Yes. Julia Maxwell. 
No. Jeremiah O'Connor. <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, no, that's it. Come on, Dave. Stephen Rhines. Jeremiah screwed me up. I, I, okay, we got Okay, I've recorded a no vote for you, JJ. Uh, Stephen Rhines. Yes. Amanda Serio. No. Judith Steele. Yes. Ron Sia. Ron Sia, no. And I vote yes, Thomas Caldwell. I abstain. David, you abstain. It's Dave. <laughs> sure it's not Jeremiah Dave? <laughs> okay. And uh, the vote is nine yes to send back, five no. Nine to five. With one abstention. With I one concur. abstention. Okay. So the motion to send the article back for further study carries. Is there a motion with regards to the other article, the second article? Jay. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to say, so last year, we, as a warrant committee, we said, okay, we oppose this article, but the second article, we conditionally support it. If the first one passes, we like the second one. I would like to think we do something similar here because I think, and this may be opening Pandora's box, I think the first article is a majority vote, and the second article that says we want mixed-use business, I think that's a two-thirds vote. So, um, and, and also, I, I certainly can't speak for, obviously can't speak for everybody on the committee, but I think if this is going to happen, I think we want businesses to come in. Yeah. We want businesses to come in and bring money. Absolutely. Yeah. So the worst thing that could happen, well, within reason, the worst thing that could happen is town meeting votes yes on the first article and approves the MBTA zoning, and then town meeting votes no on the second article, not allowing businesses. And that's somewhat possible because one half to two thirds. So I think if the warrant committee gave a conditional support to the second article, that would help a lot with even if, like maybe say the first article gets 55, 60%, that would help people say, ah, what some of you may be saying now. I didn't like the first article, but if we got it, let's get the businesses in. So did you ask for a motion? I make a motion that we support this second article for um, mixed-use zoning conditional on the first article passing. Back in. That was JJ? JJ. All right, we gotta write these things. Okay, okay. so that was Jay's. You need that? Jay's motion. Jay's motion and JJ's second. And the first one was Amanda and Tim, right? Okay. So, okay, so it's made a second. Let's discuss. So do we, do we do we think that's correct, that we're in that sort of same situation again, where... It is two different votes, though. It's totally two different votes. Different, one has to do with the levels. other in this one. I think it's either you're in for mixed use yeah. or... I don't think it's conditioned on... Doesn't, it. I think it, it's trying to favor... It passing the first one. I like to. Keep, I think that's a terrible. If the idea. first one doesn't pass. Doesn't it make the second one mute, moot, because we're not in practice. That's my understanding. I, I don't. That's my understanding. 
If, if people are fine with an unconditional support, I, I, I have no problem with that, but I just thought that'd be more palatable to the committee. I know where you're going, but I don't know. Does that make sense? I'm right there with you. I mean, no hands. Oh, I don't know. Okay, that is article two. Requiring mixed use in the Milton Village sub-district. Only as it pertains to the MBTA, correct? As far as the mixed use period. Zoning bylaw amendment for requiring mixed use in the Milton Central Station sub-district. So it's true, it looks like it is a separate zoning bylaw. Nothing to do with it. Not contingent upon the first one. And that. I think if we word it as it needs a yes, I think we are leading the members, town meeting members to believe that in order to pass the first one, you to get the second one, you need to pass the first one. And I think that's misleading. Is that not true? It, that's misleading. Yeah. I don't believe that to be true from what we're reading. Yeah, it, I, that's to me. Does it, it say doesn't anything? Does it say anything? Not. We should pull up the text. Can we? It's got the, the yeah. J hat. Yeah. I've actually heard it both ways that it was part it's of the yeah, deal. Yeah. district. I, Jay, Jay, can you share your screen with Alan yeah. there, please? Can you, can you just share the screen with everybody? Thank you. I'd be fearful that we would be misleading. Sorry, uh, trying. Here we go. Okay, so it goes on, but I think the first part is probably the most important part. It is. It's part of the T. See, it's, it refers to the MBTA community's multifamily overlay district. So it does refer to the MBTA community's zoning bylaw. So that's I think amending what may or may not have been passed in the first one. Right. So I think what we're saying is the first article included in the bylaws is and at least if incorporated at least by reference are those overlays establishing these districts. Mr. Milano might have his hand raised. I'm gonna stop sharing my screen so we can see. Yeah, let's recognize him. Uh, Mr. Milano does have his hand raised. Thank you, happy to um, help out Mr. Chair if, if you think that would yes, be helpful. Um, thank you. So the idea of the second article here would be that assuming the uh, main MBTA communities act is approved, that this second article would go in and then amend it and amend just the Milton Central Village, uh, right. Milton Village Central Station sub-district to require mixed use in that district. So um, it, if the first article is failed, then presumably this article would not go forward because it, it, it acts as an, a change to the main one, if that's providing any helpful guidance for you. It does. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Milano. 
So I think, Jay, your first analysis is correct that you were saying that we kind of are in a situation like we were with regards to Article 97 land swap, where the recommendation of the Warren Committee with regards to the, to the land swap was not to do it. There was another article with regards to eminent domain that the Warren Committee did vote while we are not in favor of the first article, the land swap, should the town see this differently and vote it, we then would want to support the town to pursue um, their interests. This could be, I think this is the same situation. So what Jay's done is Jay's made a motion seconded by JJ um, that it be the, the Warren Committee's conditional, conditional support of the article that should Article 1, which would be, which would insert into the zoning bylaw the amendment for compliance with the MBTA community zoning, that should that pass, we then would support the requirement of mixed use in the Milton Central Station subdistrict. Is that, Jay, uh, fairly encapsulate your motion? That is my, yes. Thank you. D Tom. Mr. Milano's hand is still up. I don't know if that's intentional. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Milano. Tom. Now, <clears throat> we had an article regarding the historic districts. Yes. And that was Milton Village, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, this would obviously dramatically affect that historical article in the future, correct? We agree to, no. No, it's an old, they, they the overlay an district, overlay, that's right. And the historical is gonna be the facades. I withdraw. Thank you. In fact, my my recollection with regards to historic district was that. All right, anyways, I, I, yeah, I, I withdraw speak, that. I'm, uh, Mr. Chair, I was. Thank you. Like you. Okay. So there is a motion that's been made and seconded. We're in the middle of our discussion of that. It looks like, you know, this is this hedge that the Warren Committee wants, wants to support the uh, commercial base. That's a huge, right? It's a huge problem. So that, I think that's what he wants to address, Mr. Fundling, in his motion. Do we wish to have further discussion upon this motion that's been made and seconded? Could it be sent back to have it taken out the MBTA and just support the... Well, they were the mixed use in general. I mean, I, and not be part of the MBTA for future. Judy, what's the okay? I mean, I'm I'm just reading real quick, but it seems to say you can build a six-story building, you can build a four-story building with commercial on the first floor. So, if MBTA we vote no, and then we vote yes to this. People will be able to vote, build a four-story building with commercial on the first floor. I don't, I don't think that's what you want, but maybe it is. I'm just curious if the MBTA wording can be taken out 
so it doesn't get confused with the first one unless they absolutely want to amend it because they want to use it to amend it. I'm just worried about people getting confused. And it would be great if one doesn't pass and the other one passes and it's mandatory mixed use in the future, regar regardless of the MBTA. I think our moderator does a pretty good job of identifying what people are voting on. Right, I mean, from what, what right. And just again, reading, as we read through the language app, I'm looking specifically at applicability, the, which relates to the six stories that could be built on a certain large parcels in the area labeled east on the MCMOD boundary map. These are the, this is the overlay, MBTA communities overlay that they have on the maps that they made. It looks to me like these, this is so tied into. It should have been just in the original article. I'm sorry, what do you mean by? It, this should have just been in the article, in those districts. What's the this the the This, this um, mixed use article article could have been in the overlay for multifamily. But see, that's an interesting. There was a problem with the votes, I think. I think that's part of the concern was like, I think we just discussed it. I believe that there was a concern that this, this might require two thirds. Oh, yes. And they got the waiver already. For and so because that's if they right. built this into the whole thing, they would need two thirds two on the whole thing, which would be a climb. So we hedged that, bust this out, pedal to the metal. Or could it go in strictly as mixed use, period? Be that as it may, we have a motion. I'm confused. Judy. Judy. Judy's gonna clarify this for us. Okay, forever confused, I guess. Um, as I'm understanding this conversation about the motion, would it be correct for me to assume that this will be only compliant on the MBTA zoning passing? Is that correct? Yes, it is the motion. That's built into the article itself. What do you mean by built into the article itself? Um, by saying right away at the top, um, in you know, sort of a carve out of the MBTA zoning. So if there is no MBTA zoning, then this article would not take effect. Right. So it would be our recommend. What we're I think what Jay is doing is that we are voting for a recommendation for the warrant committee that, with regards to Article Two which is yeah. the Milton Village overlay district right. requiring mixed use. Correct. Would be, our recommendation would be that the town should vote yes on that recommendation for mixed use in the overlay only if the town votes yes on article one which is the zoning bylaw amendment with regards to MBTA communities. So that right. our recommendation would be a yes on two, only if first 
town meeting votes yes on one. Much okay, like so we would go ahead. So we would need to tighten that language up to make sure that it's very, very clear that um, if town meeting votes down, votes down Article One, that there can be no resurrection of this article. Well, it's up to town meeting yep. to vote the way the town meeting wants, but we would make it clear that it's the warrant committee recommendation. We've, we've, this would not be our first rodeo if we did something <laughs> like this. I can get up and I can lay it out as clearly as I possibly can. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Judy. Okay, so Lori had her hand up. But if the multifamily overlay district is voted down at town meeting, then this article will be pulled. It, maybe Mr. Milano could help us. They might pull it. They might not. They, maybe there's a friendly amendment to just take out the MBTA Mm -hmm. Language. Uh, okay, so we'll. Cool. Okay. It, okay, no, that's cool. Who knows? I think yep, we yep. need it. I like, to make a <laughs> I like to make a friendly amendment. And we take out MBTA. So you're making a friendly amendment to take out the MBTA language? Can we do that? Do you have to? Do this? Yeah. I don't think I, I don't. No. Well, I don't know if that works. Just make it like so that, I don't know, I was trying to make it so that it doesn't get confusing. We might be doing planning and zoning if we if we start doing that. Okay, so then. So it's your, okay. I'm okay with I, retracting. So you're retracting your friendly amendment. I have a question. If that doesn't Tim. go through, say one gets voted down, two doesn't go through, could, if someone wanted to mandate multi multi-use and further buildings. Could that not go up for two years now? It's my understanding is the same article can't go up. Okay. So that the issue could present itself in a different way, potentially. How could you and present that in a different way though? No oh. T. Hmm? Not attached to the T. Someone could just say, we want multi-use in these areas moving forward. Also, that's the benefit of sending it back instead of voting no. If town meeting sends it back, mm -hmm. then there's no two yeah. here. Which we did on the last one. Mm -hmm. Just hate to lose that was, tax revenue. Yeah. I was thinking when we voted on the last one. Okay, so where we're at, we're, we've got a motion that is uh, made and seconded for a conditional recommendation of yes to Article 2 only if Article 1 is passed by town meeting. Are there any other questions, discussion? No hands on. No hands. Uh, yes, Mr. Steve Rhines. <laughs> Steve. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry to bother you guys and gals. Um, quick question. So we're, I should make sure I'm tracking this. So the, if this was with the the first article, potentially, it would require two thirds. Is that is that accurate? Is that what I heard? I, I, yeah, I think that's it. Is that this one? Okay. This one. And so, I mean. Yep. Sorry, sorry, uh, Mr. Chair. Um, 
I mean, obviously, I, I like the dialogue that's going on with we want to we want to have more commercial mixed development. So if you know, I, I, I am interested to see if there's a way for us to entertain the additional language that would not have the MBTA in there so that no matter what, we, we've got a shot at putting some mixed use development down there. I think that would be outstanding. So I'll, I'll stop there, but I, I like where we're going on this. Thank you. Okay. And that, so we can send it back and ask for that. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, Mr. Chair, I don't know. I I kind of defer to your earlier comments that if we play with that zoning language, that's just me. I don't. I'd love to hear from someone else, but I think we're kind of going into uncharted. Yeah, I think with, what I heard from Steve was just a, a rededication. You know, to, to the need for more commercial, and we want to do everything we can. Mm -hmm. I think I think the vote that Jay, the, the his um, motion is in that direction. We can affirm our commitment to commercial use. We can affirm our commitment to giving the, the town the tools it needs to do the things it wants to to if they they see MBTA zoning in a different way than we do. We don't want to be an impediment to that. But there's, but there's probably some limits on what, what we really should do with regards to pushing the commercial. We, we can deal with the um, article as drafted as before us. And then if, if it, we give it to the town meeting. And then, you know, we can play this out. It's a possibility that they they could still do something with a friendly, even if Article One doesn't go through. But what I think it would be, and then they would ask us for our recommendation at that time. Amanda. Amanda. Um, yeah, I I think I would agree with. I feel like we're doing making zoning decisions or planning decisions with that. But I guess my second question would be, um, that's adjacent to Central Ave right now, correct? That's the area near Central Ave. So do we know what the zoning is there already? I guess that's the question is like, are we, sorry, my kid keeps using my um, thing. Do we, do we know what the zoning is there? So does that impact that zoning. I mean, it's adjacent to another commercial area. So I don't, I feel like if we start playing with the language, we don't know what exists or how it impacts. And it's so intertwined with the MBTA that I just feel like the better decision is to let that be a friendly amendment in town. And we just vote on the article as it is. Right. Thank you. So we Jay's amendment is to vote on the article as it is written, just with our recommend. But he's he's moving for a recommendation of a yes vote contingent first upon the town meeting voting to approve MBTA community zoning. Motion's been made, seconded. We've had discussion. Is there any um, feel for a need for further discussion? Uh, 
All right. This is like a Renaissance painting over here. <laughs> Am I Judas? I, no, I never say that. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 yes. So, Tom. thank you, Mr. Chair. So, I just uh, you know, kind of side conversation with Jay. I, you know, even with the land swap, I I have a hard time making these recommendations. But if you know, we'll take that. You know, I I think it, we have to be clear. I get really concerned about confusion. Um. On, on things of this nature, uh, you know, uh, when we, we, it's kind of like we have these different records, but if you do this, we'll do that. So it, um, I don't know how to approach this, really, Mr. Chair, but I don't, I think if any recommendation, we should be very, very, very articulate in our comments uh, concerning the concerns about the, uh, the original article. Uh, that's really, I'll stop wasting everybody's time. That's all I have. You're not wasting our time. You know, like I said before, it's not our first rodeo. We've been down this road before. I have no problem <laughs> standing up in front. Do we have to recommend it either way? Can we just be like, we don't have an opinion? Uh, it's rare. That's not good for town. It's rare. No, but it's one of those. Oh, I well, I, we have to. I, I, think I want the business yeah, tax, but I don't want people to be confused. Yeah. Look at it. They'll understand. One is. Okay. One is, you know, let's say the first article passes with 55%, 60%. If we say yes to the second one, that's telling those people in the room, hey, we're with you. We know you didn't like the first one, but here's a good reason to vote for the second one. And to address the confusion article, there's going to be our written comments. There's going to be our chair who speaks for a living, and there's going to be the moderator. I think between the two of them, I think they're going to do a really good job of making it clear. No, good enough for me, Mr. Chair. That that being said, I I have great faith in you and the moderator and, and town meeting. But I I just said in, in the writing of our comments, I think we should be very we should articulate our concerns. Sure. Uh, about this, I, I'll be happy to be directly involved in the writing of that. <laughs> as I am involved in the writing writing of so many. All right. Uh, Judy. Judy. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. When you call for the vote, could you articulate the exact words of the motion we're voting on again? Okay. <laughs> hate to say that we keep running around this confusion circle on these. If this happens, this will happen. Okay. Thank you. Here we go. We're going to now go to the vote. I'm going to ask Tom, please, to conduct a roll call vote on Jay's motion that the town vote to approve the warrant committee's recommendation of a yes vote to the article to see if the town will vote to amend its general bylaws by changing the following subsection of the MBTA community's multifamily overlay district to require mixed use zoning contingent upon 
the town first, voting to approve by a yes vote the article with regards to MBTA zoning of multifamily as of right. That is the motion. Essentially, if the town votes for MBTA community zoning multifamily as of right, then the town should vote for mixed use in the overlay of the Milton Central Avenue substation subdistrict. Okay? And if they vote no, it would imply that our recommendation would be no. Tom, would you conduct a roll call vote, please? I will, Mr. Chair. Uh, starting with uh, Lori Conley. Yes. Jay Funley. Yes. Allison Gagnon. Yes. Julie Joyce. Yes. Kristen Cosio. Yes. Jareem Langwa. Yes. Timothy Lyons. Yes. Julia Maxwell. Yes. JJ O'Connor. Yes. Stephen Rines. Yes. Amanda Serio. Yes. Ronald Sia. Yes. Judith Steele. Yes. And I vote yes. Uh, it's unanimous, Mr. Chair, with your abstention. Thank you, sir. Nicely done. You need a group hug. No. Okay. No, Jay. No. I was going to go for it, but. <laughs> so, it's as close as we get. The eyes have it. That should be the recommendation. I'd like to thank the Warren, commu uh, the Warren Committee for a lot of hard work in this MBTA environment. Um, Amanda? Yeah, I had a, I had a question um, um, about the comment for the first article. Um, would we be addressing concerns or thoughts around legal action when we're making the comment? Since that came up, I'm just curious how there was a lot discussed on why people were, why it was voted, why it was voted against. I'm just curious, given that that's been raised, if that would be addressed in the comment. So I think, yes, to some degree. I think that, I think that. What I mean by some degree, I think that the possibility of future litigation would be something the comment would address, because I think that the comment's going to talk about um, risk of noncompliance. What is the risk of noncompliance? So the possibility of a lawsuit is risk of noncompliance. And lawsuit could mean that the town of Milton is sued. 
It could also mean that the town of Milton sues. It could mean a lot of different things. It's costs associated with it. So I think that the comment, the issues of lawsuits of um, whether we're the plaintiff or the respondent, you know, something that we would we, we would bring up. And you know, and we, Amanda, we would not be violating any open meeting laws if you wanted to give me a call. I'm I'm going to be writing this. If you want to call me and share your concerns with me, that's I encourage you to do so. Okay. That applies to anyone on the Warren Committee. Judy. She was around. Quick emotion. Make a motion to adjourn. Tim makes a motion to adjourn. Is it seconded? Second. It's Steve. Nice job. Would you like a roll? Yeah, just do a roll, please. Thank you. Okay, uh, roll call vote on the motion to uh, adjourn, uh, starting Lori Conley. Yes. Jay Fumlin. Yes. Allison Gagnon. Yes. Julie Joyce. Yes. Kristen Cosell. Yes. Jermaine Langlois. Yes. Timothy Lyons. Yes. Julia Maxwell. Yes. JJ O'Connor. Uh, sorry. Question. <laughs> what's what's our what's our upcoming schedule? Are we done now? Is this it? <laughs> We thought we were done now. <laughs> JJ. JJ, what, what's, what's your vote on the motion to adjourn? I know, but um, do we have any meetings or is this not it? scheduled? We're going to have to, we're going to, we will see what happens with the select board if they open, reopen, vote amendments, et cetera. But as of right now, we don't have anything planned for right now. Okay, thank what you. What about yes. tomorrow night? No. Yeah. no uh, JJ, your vote on a motion to adjourn. Yes, yes, yes. Stephen yes. Rhines. Adjourn, please. Uh, Amanda Serio. Yep. Ronald Sia. Yes. Do the steal. Are we coming here tomorrow night? <laughs> no. <laughs> your vote. Thank you. My, my vote is yes. Let's okay. go home. Unanimous with your abstention, Mr. Chair. Thank you. <laughs> We are adjourned. She's not Thank you for staying. Thanks. Thanks.